Welcome in to the Wiffle League podcast. This is episode number 30. We are recording from Studio W, and we're missing a couple of the regulars tonight. I will be your host, Justin Florido. I got Josh Wittenberg with me, and our special guest tonight is Brandon Eckert. Yo. So we're going to start off by covering uh, the remainder of the regular season. We've had some similar matchups here, the Bay Bears and the Owls and the Blue Claws and the Emeralds. And then we will preview Wiffle Series 15 coming up this Sunday. So guys, we'll start with the Bay Bears and the Owls. Regular season, a clean sweep for the Owls, but it was a hard fought contest i actually don't remember if i was at this game or not <laughs> this is not the one that you umpired yes so uh <laughs> we'll get to that later but again like i said hard fought it was uh oh, it was on my birthday three to nothing four oh, three and three to one so pretty close contests here uh i will take a little bit of pride in coming away with a couple of victories but i'm pretty sure i stole those on the mound um, it was kind of a precursor to what was to come, but not necessarily. I felt like the, uh, the series went a little bit different in the postseason. Bay Bears really came out, uh, strong. I felt like they won that game one, but again, we'll get to that. But, uh, Josh, do you recall anything from that series that is of note? I just was looking at the stats and I believe... If I'm not mistaken, game two went into extra innings, which is why I'm seeing uh, Schroeder and Falardo had pitched in that game, and that's the only thing I can remember. It might be the most boring series. <laughs> Carly, oh, no. Carly did have three hits in it. Oh, yes. Okay. Maybe it was game three that went into extras. Carly got off the schneid. Don't know, but... She did. Go, Carly. Yep. So, you had it in you. so to kind of wrap up the, the regular season, uh, the Bay Bears finished 2-7. and seven, The Owls finished 5-4. Five five and four. Four. Yep. So they uh, finished with a 500 record. Now three of those four losses came to the Emeralds. Well, uh, so, that, so that series, what was interesting about that series was all of the stuff that was in play for seeding, right? So we knew that... By the end of the second round of series, Emeralds had clinched the one seed. And so depending on how all those series shook out, it's like, okay, who's going to be playing the one seed? Who's got the two and the three? And when the Bay Bears got swept, then it was probably like, they're probably like, oh shit, you know, we're going to have to play the Emeralds in the first series. And then, well. Yeah, I do remember that being the reaction afterward, thinking, right, this is really... As good as the Emeralds are, yeah, the the likelihood is that the Blue Claws were going to steal one of those games, those yeah, last I mean, three regular season games, but amazingly that didn't happen, so we'll transition <laughs> right into that. Uh, the Bay Bears, or excuse me, the Blue Claws and the Emeralds uh, regular season finale. Uh, Which might have been an even more boring yeah. series than the previous certainly one. Certainly offensively for the Blue Claws, they did not score a single run. All three <laughs> games finished 3-0. to zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> The major takeaway here is that the Emeralds completed the first ever 
undefeated regular season in the history of the Wiffle League. So it's a pretty good feat yeah, for you guys. Brandon, really awesome. Did you foresee that on draft day? No. No one could foresee that. What? That wasn't I, your plan? Uh, my plan was to have a really good team, um, but not an undefeated team. I mean, come on. How often do sweeps happen? Not, not. I mean, maybe more than I believe, but I mean, chances are it's going to be 2-1. Uh, but that series, I mean... I don't know, it was pretty stress-free the entire series. Nothing to... I think I... Because I was on a, a two-game no-hit streak. I think I made it into, like, the second or third inning of my first game without giving up a hit. So I was something at, like, ten straight innings without giving up a hit. That's more... Honestly, I was more worried about that than any any results on that. Because I don't know about you, Josh. I didn't really have a preference whether I played the Bay Bears or, or the Blue Claws. I would say that I... Going into the final, going into the final round of regular season matchups, I preferred to play the the Blue Claws only because Russ Anderson is on the Bay Bears, yeah. and I have seen Russ Anderson yep. grab and drag and push <laughs> crappy teams to the Wiffle Series, and. Not that his and, team was crappy this year. No, no, no. But. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that Russ Anderson is so good that he can do it all by himself. We've seen him, you know, have great offensive seasons where he hits over 400. We've seen him for his entire career. He's been a shutdown pitcher, and he can just take over a series. And he can win two games by himself on the mound and get four hits, mm-hmm. you know, a home run or two, and make some great defensive plays, and that's it. Yeah. You know, he... He is the definition of a one-man show in this league. And I don't think that there's anybody in this league that can be the, the, a one-man team like Russ Anderson can be. Mm-hmm. So. Now, I, I know my thoughts coming into this series, or when we talked, um, we had mentioned just put the ball in play because the Blue Claws had struggled defensively this year. Put the ball in play. One of my main takeaways coming out of that series was they played a hell of a lot better defensively than I expected them to. I think a big switch on that was Dave moving to right field. Curtin was struggling a little bit out there, especially since he had the quad injury. So moving him to a position that he couldn't, didn't have to move as much um, and had some experience at. And then Dave going out into right center, he did a really good job out there. Um, I think that kind of solidified them a little bit defensively, which like gave me slight pause for the postseason. I'm like, okay, they might be a little tougher than uh, than I expected at first, but yeah, I was kind of taken back by Dave's right field defense, and not that I really should have been too surprised. It's been a long time since he's been out there, and he looked really athletic. He's making diving plays, mm-hmm. and I know they kind of struggled all year long. They being the bay, uh, the Blue Claws. Uh, to find a defensive lineup to to run out there. They wanted, I know that Laz didn't get as many innings pitching because they wanted him to be able to play left field. So that kind of factored in. That said, they did lead the league in errors in my unofficial uh, tallies for the year. Um, conversely, the Emeralds only had four errors total in the regular season, not only did they have a great pitching, but they also had really, really good defense. And uh, Dustin actually finished the year with zero errors, and he had uh, 28 attempts. He, so was, he was awesome. He was really good. And, and like Dave, 
in a new position. I don't remember him playing uh, short field much. I think it's his if first at all. year. Yeah, which is funny because Dave was like, he's this guy I was always held up as one of the best third, you know, short fielders in the league. Dustin, mm-hmm. you know, he's always been an adequate outfielder. He had speed. His hands were okay out in the outfield. But now you have them switching roles, and they're both excelling. It's just crazy. Yeah, I think it opens up a lot of possibilities next year for the draft. Um, not to like jump to next year already, but <laughs> you know, there's more like configurations you can have with teams. Like, oh man, I can stick Dustin at short field now. Like that's that opens up things. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that JF you were talking about was you know the lack of innings pitched by Laz, and you know if I look at the stats here. From 2012 to 2018, Laz averaged 21 and a half innings in the regular season of every year. You know, he had, over that time, his low was 18 and two-thirds innings pitched, and his highest was 24 innings pitched twice. So he maxed out in two regular seasons. This year, he only pitched 12 innings. That's, you know, almost half of what his average was over all those years. And well, his ERA has also, or his runs against, also doubled almost tripled in some cases this year. Well, when I remember looking at some of the, the, the games on Vimeo, and I also you know just remember from being at some of the series, it seemed as though there was certain times where there was almost disinterest from some of the people on his team on the defensive side, mm-hmm. which didn't you know help his runs against, I don't think. But... I think that that was probably an error of having Laz pitch so few innings. He's been the number two or number one best pitcher in this league for six years. And the best way to shut down a team is to pitch them great. You know, don't give them balls to hit and then expect to have great defense out there. Don't let them hit anything. And there's a significant number of plays to be made at the pitching position where, mm-hmm. you know, you have to yep. field balls in the circle. You have to get short balls. You have to get balls that go to right field. And Lass has proven over the years that he can do all of those things. Now I think that he gets a little aggressive at times and tries to, you know, make some plays on people with pegs and stuff like that. And Lass aggressive is shorter. Right. Damn, I, that guy loves to peg people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He's got a pretty good success rate at it too. So. He does. He does. But I think that... If if the the blue claws were to do it again, I don't think they would pitch Laz so few. I think they would throw him more. Well, I mean, Satry was pitcher of the year last year, so you know it's like okay, mm-hmm. we have two pitchers of the year in our team. We can kind of interchange either one. But I think we we are seeing and this may be the most obvious statement of the year. Uh, your defense behind you is going to really affect how many runs you give up. I mean, take me for example. I've always been an okay pitcher, you know, but I've given up three runs a game, three and a half, whatever it is, throughout my years. The first year I have Josh behind me, I don't give up a single run all year. Like, I don't. I have not been pitching any different. I mean, I changed my windup a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. that changed things. But the I mean, stutter step. The little yeah, the little little Clayton Kershaw going on. Yeah. But yeah, it's. I mean, having. I mean, there are two people in this league that, I, and this coincides with my two best years pitching, there are two people in this league having them in left field really improve someone's chances at pitching. One is Josh Wittenberg, one is Russ Anderson. You have those two people out and left, you're going to have a pretty damn good year pitching. 
Well, yeah, everyone else is a tier below those guys. Yeah, we've seen that. So, uh, so a quick recap for the regular season: the Emeralds, uh, as I mentioned, finished nine and zero, with a run differential of plus thirty-one. They only allowed five runs, and they scored thirty-six. So that's pretty good. How how does that run Se- differential uh, rank for? The entirety of our standings for all time. Years. Yeah, all time. Well, I can't give you all time, but I can give you back to twenty twelve. Sure. I know so, we gave up the least amount of runs. Regular season ever. run differential. Um, the last oh, year the shit. Drillers were the highest ever with a plus eighteen. Before that, the Tortugas were plus thirteen, Rubber Ducks plus twelve, Tourists plus nine, Sea Wolves plus nine, and then it's a bunch of single digits. And then you get into the negatives. And then this year, the Emeralds were plus 30. We lapped the field. Damn. So the uh, Owls finished 5-4 and four with a plus 1, I believe, Josh, if you can confirm these. Uh, the Bay Bears 2-7 and seven with uh, holding the tiebreaker over the Blue Claws for the 3 seed. Uh, they had a run differential of negative 11. Negative 10. Negative 10. Somehow I'm missing a run here. <laughs> and the Blue Claws, again, finished 2-7. and seven, Last place with a negative 21. So that brings us to the postseason series. Uh, again, a repeat of the final set of series. The Bay Bears and the Owls. It was a certainly a hard-fought good series. series. It was really, really, really good, good series. Both teams scored five runs across yeah. three games. I mean, can't get any tighter than that. This was yeah. one of the most... It, it, Participating in the series is one of the most fun series that I've played in a long time. It, it was really, I understand that I won, so that may have affected my well, how reaction. You, to I want to know how your team felt after the first. So you swept them the previous series, and they yeah. take game one. I know. So oh, how do you, how do you feel? What what was going through yeah. the owls' minds? I was proud of my team. We definitely regrouped. We talked about it after. Game one, it was a little stunning because we didn't just lose; we lost uh, a, a decent Five margin. Nothing. Yeah, Brian hit a a big time three run homer. Uh, so yeah, we were a little stunned, I would say, but uh, certainly still playing with a, a level of confidence that we could win the next two because we had swept them previously. So uh, I was definitely pleased with the team, and we just kind of went out there, tried to relax and have some fun, and I think it showed. Uh, we won the next game. Four to nothing, and uh, for that game three, crazy Schroeder <laughs> with uh, the solo home run, and uh, we held him, and uh, the the finish there, which I don't want to even call controversial, it was just <laughs> it uh, was the right call in was, the end. It was absolutely we got there in a circuitous way. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely the right call, but uh, just cr- a crazy way to end. Just when I think that this league can't surprise me anymore, just. Stuff like this happens, and it's just can be baffling at times. But then when you really kind of pull back and look at it, it's pretty cool that we have the replay, we got the call right. Uh, I think the Bay Bears would maybe have an argument that there's not like a hundred percent evidence. That I wish we had if if we had access to the the GoPro, there yes. would have been a hundred percent evidence. Yeah. So to whiteboard it a little bit, the the previous play was challenged by. The Bay Bears, which was a uh, ground ball that was uh, weakly hit by Luke that I fielded kind of between the circle and first mm-hmm. base. And I uh, very much just a natural reaction. I threw it at Luke and hit him. And he was maybe 
almost a full step off the bag, and uh, Brian decided to challenge it. Uh, I talked to Brian after the game, and he said my challenge was gone, so there wasn't much. He, he understood kind of how he handled it, and maybe he was thinking he could have kept that in his pocket for I mean, that, that sec- final. It's the second to last out. Like, yeah, I mean, it was a good call. You don't want to like not use your challenge, but I mean, that is a warning now to people. Like, right. you never know yeah. when you're going to need that challenge. Like, don't be afraid to go home with it. Don't right. challenge an obvious play. Yeah, so that play was challenge, which you know there could have. I think Luke was feeling like he was safe, so Brian uh, trusted him. Like he's safe. Trusted him in that and challenged the play, so they burned their challenge. And then the very next play, with uh, I Steve. believe it was uh, Russ on second at that point. Uh, Steve hit a ground ball, kind of in the same area actually, but it was fielded by Carly, who uh, flipped it to me, and I was fairly confident in, in seeing the play live. But I, I also read an article recently that said that. Baseball, especially, uh, the mind works in a way that it, it even things that you feel, things that you see, typically are the way that you want them to be. So, with that understanding, I, I, looking at the replay, it was certainly closer than I saw in my mind's eye. But uh, again, I, I think we got the call right, Brandon. You want to so, take us through? It was just a bang bang play at first. So yeah, so Steve had been in trouble all series because with righties I found a good spot to ump and you could get a clear indication of where, you know, the the batter's hitting first base and the pitcher's catching the ball. So that was pretty easy. But anytime Steve was coming up, I had to move closer to home to judge fair foul because, you know, especially Steve, he pulls balls down the line. I need to make sure Steve can hit that fair, you know, he's hitting it fair. But it doesn't give me a great vantage point for plays the plate and my god like 15 times during that series Steve was in like bang bang plays at first base and so that last play when he goes there um I there was there was a play earlier that um something it influenced the way I, I acted in this last play so Steve hits it and it's a bang bang play I'm running and I'm I'm like okay I'm gonna take a second before I make a call because I was like, I want to really make sure I run this back through my mind and get it right. And I remember thinking, holy shit, this is bang, bang. Like, I'm not, I can't make a call either way. And then I froze. <laughs> and go. then I, I just didn't make a call. And then in that at that point, I was just like, I need to see the replay of this. And so it's it's a terrible way to have done this. But knowing that the Owls still had a challenge and the Bay Bears did not, I purposely called him safe so that the owls would challenge it and that I could get a look at the video. And, you know, looking at the video, the handheld, it was close. I mean, we, we actually had view of it, yeah. but like it, it looked really, really close. And so ultimately I said, judging by this, I mean, we can go over whether it was clear and, in, you know, conclusive or whatever, but it looked to me that he was going to be out and what's funny is, like, where I assumed he was, like, stepping on first, later on, if you look at the GoPro, he's, like, not even close to first base. Yeah. So, like, he he was actually out by more than, like, I had realized. Yeah. Um, but, you know, terrible way to handle that. I was definitely not on my game that series. Uh, ultimately, though, the call was right. And, you know, and even, even if I had, I had screwed that up and got the call wrong... I mean, Russ would have been at third. Yes. Would have been first and third, two outs. There still would have been a chance for. You did get the call wrong. You called him safe. 
You well, didn't call him out. In the end. Yeah. In the end. That that was only... I know, I know. Yeah. So, I mean... It's just a tough way to end the season. It's brutal. For, for I know, I feel bad, uh, but... I, I certainly... Hopefully, I, as they, much as I obviously wanted to win, I felt... And they, they were all really gracious about it afterwards. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Ross obviously knows he's been there, right? Yeah. He's been a part of his own controversial umping call. Uh, you know, Steve and Luke and, and Brian, they understood... Um, and I hope that they did get a chance to see some of the GoPro footage and were able to, to you know, actually see that the call was, you know, ultimately correct. Because I would, I would hate to have been like, I didn't, I didn't want to end such a big call. I was like, oh God, why? Last year I had no problems. Not one problem umping last year. Yeah. And this, this series was just like a mess. Well, that's well, why it's I... because you didn't have your, uh umpiring jersey on. no i had it on. He had it on. He did? but that's yeah. why i appointed you because you had such a solid showing last year in the postseason that i thought all right well he's, he's a very good umpire and even though the likelihood was that the winner of this game this series was going to face your team in the mm-hmm. local series i yeah i, trust I am not biased yeah and i i knew that you did a great job last year so I, i'm not saying you did poorly this year i think again could have been better did, yeah we we Got the calls that we needed to get, and we got them right. But so. how? I mean, how crazy! Like one nothing game three coming down to like a play like that. Yeah. Again, just... this this league never ceases to amaze me. So, uh, again, it was a deadlocked overall run scored uh, five to five, and that call at the end. But so who, who pitched game three? Everybody. Yeah, because yeah. because the that way you guys did game one, yeah. you guys both like switched halfway. Right. So there was like, yeah there was a big. Variance to the uh, yeah, it was the a, score. So was they, some strategy to the way that uh, yeah. we were deploying our, our pitching. Each um, team on kind of sides. abandoned their uh, their key pitchers it's, once games one and two were out of hand. And Steve Andrews did incredibly well. So, in, I mean, don't sell yourself short there. I mean, you did yeah. pretty damn good too. Yeah, I think we, well, we were kind of battling there, which you know we we're obviously not the number ones, and uh, I think. Steve, especially, I feel like he was really locked in. Um, they were hitting the ball hard off me, but uh, that contact was luckily sucked up by a pretty <laughs> solid defense. So the Owls prevail in that semifinal series. The second semifinal series, uh, the Blue Claws and the Emeralds, a kind of a repeat of the, the first one. The, the Blue Claws hadn't scored a run until the very last inning of... Game two in this sweep, the Emeralds took game one four to nothing. The Emeralds were up five to nothing with two outs in the fourth inning. Josh had a perfect game, and my moment of the year thus far. Mike Satry, the Blue Claws had not homered the entire year, and Mike Satry homered to break up the perfect game to give them a run on the board, and they had not scored, I believe. At that point, I think it had been. If I'm looking back at it here, Josh. It was yeah. It was just the last five games, but they were completely shut out by the Emeralds up to that point. They so, hadn't scored since June eighth. Yeah, <laughs> if you want to put a date on it. Yeah. So, yeah, just uh, it, the offense kind of shut down for the Blue Claws. They couldn't really get anything going, but uh, the the Emeralds' confidence certainly showed. And Brandon again still has not given up a run. Yeah, man. In 2019 is incredible. Uh, that this is this is something like Joe DiMaggio's streak or Cy Young's 500 victories. This will never be equaled. 
There's no way in hell. This is be. like pure variance. Like the point zero 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 one percent chance, like something like this could ever happen. Yeah. It's crazy. It so, could be. It, once Russ and I and Schroeder and uh, JF are all on the same team, <laughs> yeah, we're I mean, gonna be locked down. JF I, will be our pitcher. What What sucked about this series is uh, so my wife Lisa, she was like, "Hey, um, my dad wants you to come to uh, his house to do some um, stuff." Uh, on the deck with him and I was like what day and she's like oh the the was it 24th and I'm like you know that's the day before my first playoff series right <laughs> and she's like she's like do you know all the stuff that he has done for us over the years you are going to go there and you're going to do whatever it is he wants you to do and I and she she wouldn't tell me what it was and so I'm like well you know maybe it was just like painting the deck because I knew we needed the deck painted I was like that won't be too bad no, I get there and we're rebuilding the deck. Yep. And it was five hours in the sun of just like crouching over. And I'm like, this is awful. I'm like, I'm going to be so just destroyed the next day. So I was sore, but I took enough Advil that I was fine. The biggest problem is I had residual like heat exhaustion. Ooh. I felt like shit. Like I just, I couldn't, like I like my mouth is dry and it was terrible. I think if I was actually in good shape, I would have caught that Satry home run. But my reaction time was a little slow. Luckily, it didn't affect us losing. But man, that was brutal. Thank you for that. Yeah, glad you didn't. Glad you you would rather have your pitching record be sterling instead of mine. <laughs> I tried, man. I, I got a hand on it. No, did I get a hand on it? No, I no. did not touch it. No, he it he hit that pretty hard. So another fun moment in the series, Brandon. You, uh, aside from Josh's three home runs, but Brandon. Not to undermine that, Josh, but Brandon's ball off, off the foul, the foul pole. pole. Home run, his second career home run. They both have come in the postseason. That was a three-run home run. Both were three-run homers. This is uh, a big jack, but uh, I thought it actually hit the portion of the uh, pole that was covered by the fence, but... Looking back at the replay, it was very... I couldn't tell. Uh, a few feet above yeah, the... D- Dustin line. basically was like, that's literally the shortest distance anyone could possibly hit <laughs> a home run. Felt, but it was... Uh, Brian was right on the call. Well, so, okay, he was right on the call, right? So, when you see a home run and you're the umpire, you're supposed to give the the, sur- the helicopter signal or whatever. I didn't know what happened. I rounded first, and I look over at Brian, and he's just kind of standing there. And I'm like... Like, if you watch the video, I kind of just, like, stop. I'm like... And then all of a sudden, I'm like, holy shit, foul ball, foul ball! <laughs> well, when you hit your other home run, when you rounded first, you kind of stopped, and you did, like, oh, yeah. a jig dance <laughs> scream like a girl. Well, that one was pretty awesome, because it did win the Wiffle Series. But... <laughs> Let's not talk about that. But, uh, uh, a, a good semifinals. Uh, I also want to bring up uh, probably the most important thing in that series. Uh, I did rob... Chris Lazzarini of a home run. Ah, yes. So added the streak the continues. Add it to the total. Certainly. Again, solid semifinal. It has given us the matchup of Emeralds and Owls, which we will preview next. You are listening to the Whiff League Podcast.
Welcome back in to the Wiffle League podcast. This is the first podcast ever recorded on an iPhone. <laughs> so hopefully you're still with us and you haven't uh, shut us off immediately after it sounds like we're recording from a tin can. So uh, we are previewing Wiffle Series 15, the Emeralds versus the Owls. It's kind of the matchup that maybe post-draft we thought we were going to see. Uh, and here we are months later with uh, a 9-0 team and a 7-5 team with, with the uh, postseason factored in. 11 Thanks, Sounds guy. Thank well, you. <laughs> I and, know. You did them different, so. Yeah. <laughs> as well as a 9 and Six is that correct? Yes. What's nine seven and six? Five and the owls. Well, you guys were five and four in the regular five season, and, and then you went two and one. Right. So you are seven and five, like you said. Yes. And we are eleven and zero. Oh. So. So are you basically forecasting you're going to win two to one? It yes. Sounds like <laughs> it. Yeah. Now, what I will say was is that against all other teams, we are seven and two, or we. Yeah, overall. Yes. So I've thought a little bit about that. Obviously, it was tough being swept in the regular season. I felt like we were in all three games. So gives uh, even though we're facing an undefeated team, it certainly should be uh, a rousing matchup. So, Josh, what sticks out to you in particular in this series? Um... I really think it's going to be a battle uh, of the pitchers. Obviously, you guys have Schroeder uh, as your number one, and we know the track record from Schroeder in the postseason, and that is he is probably the most dominating postseason pitcher that we've seen at Chestnut Field. Uh, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like that is the case. I mean, he's thrown more postseason innings than anybody at Chestnut Field at nearly 70 innings pitched, and he has 11 postseason wins to his four postseason losses. Nobody else in the Wiffle League has more than six postseason wins, so he has almost double anybody else has at Chestnut Park. So he knows how to win games on the mound in the postseason, and he's shown that, and he's not going to forget how to do that. And the question is... Does Brandon possess that ability as well? I mean, if I look, look at... Look at my numbers, man. If I look at Brandon's stats, he has won three postseason games, and one of them is this year. So before this year, he had only won two postseason games, and he's lost four. So he's lost just as many as Schroeder. Yet look Schroeder's... at what calculator runs against. Similar. Yes. Say, I have the second, well, aside from Hanchman and Dave Leap, uh, which, shout out to Dave Leap with the best runs against in the league. Uh, in the postseason at Chestnut. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm under two, you know, compared to Schroeder's 1.5. Yeah. Not, too, not, too, not too big of a difference. The, the thing is, is, I mean, this is a different year. I mean, two of the four pitchers historically are well, they're overperforming. It'd be me and Brandon. So to factor that into this particular series. Can you series, say that you're understand. overperforming if you've never performed it, in the past? See, I have performed <laughs> so badly that I'm pretty sure that 
<laughs> I may be the worst pitcher of all time at Chestnut Park. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Josh. But you're not. Obviously, this year I've been pretty solid, and Brandon's been a total anomaly this year. I mean, he's kind of come out of nowhere. As, as Scotty put it, Mark Burley out there. Yeah, I mean, it's been remarkable. So, uh, Brandon alluded to defense, the importance of defense, and how it factors in to pitching. These are the two best defensive teams by my unofficial tally. The Owls have seven errors, uh, five of which actually are uh, were Schroeder, and then the Emeralds have four errors, two of which were Josh. So uh, Carly has one error that is all this year. Uh, Scotty has one error. And, uh, and like we talked about, Dustin, no errors this year. So these are two really good defensive teams. So I think it'll be a clean game. It's just, I think, how they can formulate a game plan and how they're going to approach the hitters, which, you know, Josh is the the major X factor in the series. I'm very excited. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's been a lot of talk in that, and we go back to last year's Wiffle series in which you were walked to lead off the game, intentionally walked, not just walked. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm walked. gonna I'm yeah. gonna throw this out as a prediction. That won't happen I, this year. You don't think so? Is, is the captain uh, is the captain putting his foot down? I will say I bet that if Steve... Josh will not intentionally be walked to lead off the game. Okay. <laughs> I I would say if Steve had his way, I bet he'd do it. Schroeder? Yeah. No. Okay. No, I don't think so either. Which uh, I can't I don't remember whose call that was last year. I know Steve Andrews was the captain, but I think him and Jason talked a little bit about it and thought it was a, a good idea. I mean I get it. Yeah, it goes against the spirit of everything as yeah, far as I, I'm concerned. I think I thought, or I think that the team thought that it was going to have some effect on your approach. It was going to frustrate you or, or cause you to get off your game, and that clearly didn't happen. So. <laughs> the man, it's unflappable. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously I've played tennis, and you guys are aware of John McEnroe, and there are certain tennis players, and there obviously there are just certain people in life that when they get frustrated or when they – when they show their emotion, they lose focus. And there are some people who, when they get frustrated and show their emotion, they hone in their focus. And I like to think that I am a, more similar to John McEnroe <laughs> in that regard, where when I get frustrated and when things upset me, and or if things are not going my way, I typically don't press. I, I let my emotions charge me up and you know i kind of challenge channel them into a constructive manner and i, I thought he was going to say he was going to start screaming at people and throwing <laughs> things <laughs> no but i mean but that's one of the one of the reasons why john McEnroe did that he knew that by by getting his blood boiling and his adrenaline going that it would sharpen his tennis game and there are not a lot of people who when they get frustrated when they show their emotion they get better a lot of people lose focus and they get worse, and they uh, essentially, you know, torpedo themselves, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I'm the type of person that when things frustrate me in games, you know, whatever sport it is, it just makes me want to win that much more. Please do that. And That's great. <laughs> so, Josh, I see you got a batter versus pitcher tab there, if you don't mind clicking on that for me. Uh, Historic or... Uh... In yeah, historic, if you could. 
You got uh, me versus Brandon. I know that we've, you've done pretty well. We've talked I mean, a lot about that. Below your average. Certainly below my average, but I feel like he's had my number over the years. So I think that'll be uh, a key matchup. Uh, how about Schroeder versus Brandon and kind of just go on down the oh, line? Oh, for a batter. Yeah. Oh, so switch to Schroeder yeah, as the batter? Brandon. Yeah, yeah, Schroeder. Leave Brandon in as the pitcher there and maybe just uh, go through our team. And oh, yeah, Schroeder did not hit well against me. the same for uh, Schroeder versus your team. Uh, I'm not sure how many at-bats there won't be your other Carly your other teammates are really gonna yeah, have again just him. seeing if there's anything to Scotty does not have a hit against me and I don't think Carly but it only either. seven plate appearances and Carly probably has yeah seven plate appearances as well okay. so okay. let's switch the pitcher to Schroeder switch the banner we'll do Brandon first Brandon hits 323, that's not bad. Yeah, 4.53 Bill James runs created. <laughs> Whoa, baby. And you got your Dustin, run off him, too. Dustin. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, that was uh, there's Jason. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jason. Not quite as great. <laughs> Hung it a little bit. Uh, let's see. Paul. Probably around his average. Yeah, just look at this year. I mean, there's a lot of. A lot of guys that are performing Josh, well differently anyway. than they have historically. I just. Uh -huh. Which is fun, you know. You, you, the draft is the draft. You try to figure out the team, and then when you get out there and actually play the games, people can surprise you, you know, both positively and negatively. I feel like these two teams, there's been a lot on the positive side. Uh, guys uh, playing out of position and performing well and uh, just having a really good offensive output. So we haven't talked much about him yet, but I think he might be the X factor for the series uh, what are your thoughts on how Scotty Balser is going to perform? Yeah, so I thought he's turned a quarter. I think he's trying to get his timing down a little bit. But in that last series, the semifinals, uh, he was really locked in. He had some key hits for us. So uh, I think he's going to build off of that. I think he's only going to get better and better over time here. I think he's got to kind of figure out how this game is. He plays <laughs> a lot of other bat and ball sports, and I think – Wiffle ball will take you a year or two to, to get down. I think Carly's going through that right now, too. So um, once they're able to to lock in, and sometimes it's just through the course of a season, you play better uh, as the year goes on. So uh, I look for him to be uh, coming through for us, certainly, because I think you know the more I watch him, I, I feel like things are starting to click for him. So I look forward to see how he performs on Sunday. One of the questions you had asked me earlier was kind of what do I expect to see in the postseason? You know, we, we talked about Schroeder's pitching dominance. I think another storyline to look at will be uh, Dustin and Paul's batting. If you look, Dustin was third highest in the league this year, batting 350, which is a lot higher than his average. But Paul Stumbaugh coming out of nowhere to hit 333 now... It's a big, big key to our team. Huge key. You know, when when you have guys on your team that are at the you know bottom of the lineup that are getting on base over 33% of the time. In front of guys who had eight home runs right, during the year. You know, things, mm -hmm. things are going to happen in the positive. So are we going to see kind of a law of large numbers where, you know, everybody kind of gets back to their average where – Dustin and Paul are going to be who we thought they were, to use a Dennis Greenism, or are they going to continue their 2019 
they're in the right mindset. They're having a great time. I mean, who wouldn't want to be on a team that hasn't lost a game yet? You know, they mm-hmm. want to see this thing through. Are they are they riding the the adrenaline and uh, the adrenaline and the optimism this year, or are we going to see what we normally see from those guys? And so that's one thing to consider. And you know, uh, uh, along the other lines, you know, with Carly and with Scotty, are we going to see kind of the opposite? The law mm-hmm. of large numbers work back in their favor. You know, where like you said. When we went with Scotty to do his promo day, essentially his pro day, like mm-hmm. he was ripping the ball, yeah. and we just haven't seen that guy yet. Right. But after playing softball all summer long and kind of grooving his swing, you know, it's a lot easier to start hitting the ball. After you know, if you've been hitting the ball since May, June, July, August, September in softball, right. whereas you know, coming in cold in April, it's totally different. So mm-hmm. we could see averages kind of returning to normal and batting success from Dustin and Paul falling off, or we could see success that we expected from Carly and Scotty kind of coming back to where we expected kind of along that 200, 250, 300 batting average line. Sure. So we could see, you know, or we could see continuations of what we've seen in 2019. Hey, or if Paul returned, I mean, honestly, Paul's been hitting great, right? If we get old Paul though, then we're going to get like 20 walks in the series. <laughs> be sweet yeah i'll take it well and we talk about this i feel like every year in the postseason when you get two teams that are relatively evenly matched it often comes down to the quality of the secondary pitcher on the team and i don't believe correct me if i'm wrong jf you've ever pitched in the playoffs before this year no i don't believe so so obviously you've shown success uh brandon myself, even yourself, you know that there's a little bit of a different pressure. There's a little bit different anxiety when you're playing in a Wiffle Series, mm-hmm. let alone the playoffs. But the Wiffle Series, everything is ramped up, you know, to 11. And Rich loved to hone in on that. Rich, Rich did love to hone in on that because he was very fortunate to some of his success came in the postseason and he felt like that was his ticket to Cooperstown, that he was better than everybody because... False, false positive. <laughs> But, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, will we see the pressure of you potentially pitching in the playoffs in the Wiffle Series, something that kind of galvanizes your pitching ability? And, okay, now coming into next season, like, if he wins a game in the post in the Wiffle Series, like, all of a sudden now he's a, a good number two option, maybe even a number one option on the mound. You know, like, it's the it's the... The success is when the pressure is on and when the, the lights are the brightest that create the heroes of Wiffle you know. Mm-hmm. Schroeder used to be drafted six, seven, or eight in our snake drafts, and then he went like six and oh or eight and oh in the postseason two years in a row as a pitcher, and all of a sudden, you know, he's top tier. Top, you know, one of the primo guys. And conversely, hey, JF, when's the last time you uh, won a Wiffle Series? Oh, don't years. wake the dragon. Don't poke <laughs> the bear. Yeah, I think it was September 29th of 2009. So it's been about 10 years. Almost to the day. Is that an indication that he's someone who shies away from the spotlight? No. I don't know. I don't know how JF's done in the Wiffle Series historically. I think it's an indication that I couldn't pitch. So okay. now... That the rules have kind of changed, um, and I don't know, just being able to be 
And oddly enough, this year I've, is one of my, maybe my worst offensive output at Chestnut Park uh, to go along with, you know, obviously my, my very best pitching performance. So it's kind of interesting that those two have kind of uh, mm-hmm. diverged a little bit. But You only have so much wiffle energy. Yeah, I guess so. Wiffle I mean, talent needs to be pushed here or there. I think you're right. So that's been... <laughs> Runner-up three years in a row. A different for me, but uh, yeah, just being able to contribute to my team as a pitcher. Um, and really for me, it's just about throwing strikes and having a little bit of a strategy about how to approach players. Uh, it's, I, I don't know, it's been kind of a fun new twist on wiffle for me i'm really enjoying it so mm-hmm. uh, hopefully it can, hopefully it can continue I, I don't know you know maybe it's just kind of been dumb luck here but uh i look forward to uh, being able to do that in the future i mean if you pitched four more innings this season and maintained the stats that you had you in years past would have won pitcher of the year with your statistics you know sub 1.5 era sub one whip um you know, less than a third, well, just over a third of a walk a game and under four hits given up a game. I mean, those are yeah, and I don't think those I, are Cy Young numbers. As it is, he's fourth, wor- fourth yeah. best this year. And I didn't allow a run in the semifinal. Right. So that, that was big, too. So, yeah, But this is just regular season stats. Right, you right. Know, so. yeah, there's a lot of factors at play. So it should be a, a terrific, terrific matchup. Looking at the weather, it looks a little bit frightening. Uh, maybe some wet stuff heading our way. Temperature good. Temperature should be fine. Temperature looks good. Showing right now Tom, per uh, Tom Skilling. Scattered thunderstorms. Do we with, have an uh, AM, PM on that yet? Uh, I think it's too far out right now. I'll give you the full description here. Cloudy, humid, and breezy with showers slash thunderstorms as Cold front passes, cooler with a high in the mid 70s. Southwest winds 10 to 15 miles per hour, gusting to Southwest. 20. Southwest, oh How's shit! How's that gonna play? I don't know which direction. So that's gonna be Southwest. blowing out is to it, right. It's a crosswind. Is it come coming from the southwest yeah, from or the southwest. going to the southwest? So, I never know how those things work. Big advantage to uh, the team that has the lefty, maybe. Like that, or the team that can actually hit the ball to right field. So also not Brandon. <laughs> basically, is what we're saying. It's gonna be great. You're you're gonna literally see the first time there a team is gonna play two left fielders in a series. I've already seen it against you. They put everybody <laughs> over there. It's an overload. And I go, Brandon, hit it to right, and you don't. And then I pop it and up. You don't. So hopefully we've got a good crowd out there. Hopefully we get. Some league members out to uh, support that are not participating. So, uh, maybe you're going to say, who's our ump? Oh, you don't know? No. You haven't checked the emails? Ooh. Did I miss that? Yeah. I check every email. I must have missed it. I, I gave the uh, an overall A++ rating to Boyson in, mm-hmm. the Wiffle, in the Wiffle semifinals, and I said, you know, maybe we need this guy in the Wiffle series because he did a great job, I thought, in our matchup. And then Laz sent an email saying, mm-hmm. this guy for him. Wait, so. so is he volunteering or is yes. he officially the... So, well, he's being appointed by me, but he really wanted to do it. Uh, Can we have a no alcohol rule? I was going to say, <laughs> hopefully things go better than the draft. But uh, I have confidence in Laz. I also did for the draft. But... Uh, and he's I also always had a good eye for, 
you know, his accuracy is you safe know, out calls. He's good. He's very history of good calls. Yeah, yeah he's so, got a big level of integrity. Has he umped uh, He has not. Okay. So this will. Laz, if you need if you need some bright. advice on where to stand, come talk to me. Yeah, or if you need some advice on how long to wait to make a call, go talk to Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think he'll do a great job, and uh, yeah, looking forward to a a fun fun series to wrap up the 2019 season. It'll be Wiffle Series 15. The Emeralds and the Owls. When we come back, we will have the coming attractions. You are listening to the Wiffle League Podcast. Everyone knows that sound. It's time for the coming attractions. Well, I shouldn't say everyone. However, we are at a juncture in the season where things are really, really getting interesting. It is Wiffle Series 15. We have reached that time. It'll be this Sunday, September 22nd at 3 p.m., and we got it right in before nap time. I think that was the idea, right, Brandon? When we decided, it wasn't me. That was all Schroeder. Yeah, there was a, <laughs> a little bit of uh, back and forth to try to determine the time, but it'll be 3 p.m. on Sunday. So hopefully uh, the skies stay clear and we're able to get it in. So look forward to that. Wiffle Series 15. Uh, then <laughs> once the season wraps up, the Wiffle Leadership Council election will take place. That'll be on Election Day, Tuesday, November 3rd. We got two spots up. It will be Mike Satry's post and Russ Anderson's post. Uh, we'll see if they will run again. Uh, so if you're interested, start thinking about campaigning now. Uh, and the next podcast will be uh, the 2019 award nomination. I don't know if it'll be a reveal. We might have the reveal and then uh, followed by a podcast, but we'll be sure to uh, get back to you guys and have a podcast before Whipful Winter Banquet. Uh, it'll be the 13th annual, which will be uh, Saturday, January 18th. Six o'clock at Emmett's Tavern. What is it again? Ta Tavern and Brewing Company. So, got a lot going on. We'll talk draft, but we've had a lot of discussions recently about uh, some potential for uh, either a return to the auction draft or maybe some uh, planning of the teams, kind of a team reveal with the possibility of trades. So uh, I think that's going to be a conversation for the off season uh, to try Spice to just it up a bit. Yeah. With the idea to try to get uh, some more players playing with uh, 
with everybody. So we've kind of had some similar teams here, some similar teammates that uh, have been going here in the last few years. So. You're just trying to keep me from playing with Dustin, aren't you? That's, that's literally the goal of this. That's one of the pairings. That's definitely one had. of the goals. Yeah. <laughs> we had a team this year that was uh, 75%. Uh, the same as last year. So we're just kind of looking for maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more of a mix with the team. So again, that'll just be a talking point for uh, the Wiffle Leadership Council. So, but that goes for everybody. So if you got an opinion on that, if you like the auction draft, uh, just make everyone aware. And if you think we uh, should mix it up, let us know as well. So I will say I'm glad I finally got to be a captain before you took away the chance to draft a team. <laughs> so there's still where I could prove yeah. that I was the best captain in the history of the league. Certainly. So there still would be captains. The season's not over yet, there, buddy. And with this Don't idea, count your chickens. there certainly would uh, still be captains where they would choose a team name and have their own uh, uniforms. Uh, but then the teams would be revealed, and then there would be an opportunity for some trading, maybe you know, over the course of an hour at the draft. So uh, draft would still be a fun event, but again, it's just kind of an idea to maybe make the teams not that they're they're not fair now. I still think they you know still came out relatively fair, but I mean that would be the idea behind it. So again, uh, just something to keep in mind here for the off season. So any takeaways? For you, Josh. I'd say my takeaway is will we see a number one seed win the Wiffle Series? I just looked back, and since 2012, the number one seed from the regular season is, I believe, two and four or three and uh, actually three and four at winning Wiffle Series. So more often than not, they do not win the Wiffle Series. So we'll have a chance for the, the number one seed to bring that number to 500 at 4-4, four and four, or uh, if the Owls can uh, fly away with the victory, uh, they can uh, <laughs> keep it on the underdog side. Brandon, any takeaways? Uh, this podcast was fun. I like this format. I mean, nothing against Laz. Uh, sometimes with Laz, it can be the Josh and Laz show. So I think... Having it was a nice even distribution of people talking today, so I thought that went really well. I tried to stay quiet. Oh, well, I'm always quiet. Well, I, actually, my biggest takeaway is I enjoy hearing you on the podcast. I don't think you talk enough, so talk more. All right, great, good to know. Good to know. That's by design. He doesn't want to talk during the. Podcast. I know we're gonna we're gonna get him out of his shell. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm trying. Hopefully, I did okay. Uh, filling in for Laz, so he'll be back uh, for that uh, Wiffle Winter Banquet Preview podcast. And hopefully Steve will be back as well uh, as the audio man. But again, I apologize if the iPhone doesn't sound quite as good as uh, we recorded the last time or even back to uh, Studio H with uh, Jason at the dials. But I hope you enjoyed this 30th episode of the Wiffle League podcast. We'll see you on the flip side. Looking forward to Wiffle Series 15.